The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's going on, Bears fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bears Century, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bears related. On today's episode, we're going to talk about some of the fallout, some of the national media conversation around the Bears' victory over uh, the, the San Francisco 49ers will also be talking about what a week one win historically means for the Chicago Bears. And then we'll also be getting into Tevin Jenkins ranking high as far as lineman of the week. We'll get into all that plus the power rankings right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bears Central, your number one place for all Chicago Bears news and content. All right, Bears fans. So as you guys all new. We talked about it as well on the post game show that there was going to be a lot of the national media type pundits that, uh, you know, use the rain and other excuses about the Bears win and victory over the San Francisco 49ers. Some of them have been louder than others, but we're going to go to somebody who we've already kind of talked about. We may ether a little bit, and that's Mike Martz. Now, Mike Martz did have this to say. I'm just shocked, shocked at the Bears. I mean, they took this quarterback, they went up and they spent a lot to get him, and he was, he was less than remarkable would be the kindest thing that you could say about him. I don't know if I've ever seen such a bad performance by a quarterback in his opening performance of the season. Like, he was just completely awful. You know, Fields is really, they're a really good coaching staff at the Bears. They're very disciplined, but they're just not very good. They just don't have a lot of talent there. You know, offensive line is not very good. They did some good things on defense, but they're just the talent base for that football team is not very good. And Fields is going to have to shoulder it, and he did a good job of that, particularly in the second half. But ultimately, when you look at them compared to Detroit today, when you watch the two teams play, you know it just seems like Detroit's made a, a huge leap, and and the Bears are still going to kind of muddle around. You know, it was that game was a hard game to watch. I- now, one of the things that I do take offense for is you know Mike Martz. And how he talked about just feels, and it really seems like it was based off the for only the first half alone. Now, what I will say is this: Yes, the first half that Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears offense played was not very good, and not good at all. Let me not even say very good; it was awful, it was horrible, it was bad to look at. But to not give as much credit, like this is the thing that always gets to me when it comes to the national media, right? Is that they, and again, this is Mike March. We're not going to necessarily say it's national media, but when it comes to to, to people like this, is they they point out. Only what's, what, what coincides with their predetermined thoughts already. We know Mike Martz uh, said that the Bears are going to be worse than the 0-16 team and, and things like that. And it's like, looking at this, like, even if you wanted to point out the first half, which I did, me and Bobby, C-Dub did, we all did, right? We know the Bears did not play a good first half. Justin Fields did not have very much time. And, and, and you know, to talk about things like that. But the thing that got to me is that you, you don't even speak on the fact that he was able to bring it together in the second half. Like, Always to me, and what I try to do here, and what I think like this is why I I love the people who follow teams in and out for my own type of media coverage, own podcasts that I listen to, things like that. 
is that you can talk about the bad, but also let's talk about the good as well, right? And I don't like it the other way either. I don't like people who only talk about the good and can't really handle the critiques of the bad either. So let me be clear there. I'm not, I can call it fair. But to not be able to talk about the way that the coaching staff, the way that the players executed, how they nullified Hafanga, um, and, and, you know, Bosa, who didn't have a super big impact either, they completely changed the dynamic of that game offensively for the Chicago Bears. And Justin Fields was a big proponent of that and a reason for that. And even how towards the end of that second quarter, he started taking off for runs, things like that, making plays. What Justin Fields did show in that game, first half aside, is that he was a quarterback that showed resiliency. He's a quarterback that didn't let it get in his head. He's a quarterback who came out and still took it as the leader of the offense and said, listen, this is up to me to play better and the offensive line to a degree, but he did. He came out and executed executed well enough to take a 2.8 QB rating up to an 85 in one half. While that may seem like it's not, a, not, not huge, it's, it's hard to overcome a rating that low. As a quarterback, Justin Fields, yes, it was a tell of two halves. We understand that. But if you're going to talk about the rocky first half, let's also talk about how he, how he showed the resiliency and the leadership to come back and to play better in the second half. To even say that he hasn't seen a, a quarterback uh, performance that bad in, in the opening season. Like, come on. Man. Come on. Now, what I will say with this, right, even though he said it was completely awful and he didn't want to talk about the good that Justin Fields did end up doing, he completely eviscerated Trey Lance. Let's go ahead and play that clip. I want their, I want their eyeballs, yeah. I've never seen anything about this kid that was it, it, encouraging at all. He really has to plan himself to make a good throw. Uh, he's not a quick decision guy. Everybody's shot in the rear about him being a, a mobile guy making plays with his feet. He looked like a fullback stumbling around trying to run the ball to me. I mean, he's not Lamar, you know, so... I don't know what he is. He, he's not a particularly a good guy running the, with the football. And based on what I saw today, I mean, he, he missed two guys completely by themselves. Uh, I know it was in the rain, but you know, quarterbacks do that. You, you make those throws. Um, I know this. He can only go up. He can only get better because you can't get any worse than what he did today. Uh, I've never liked him. I still don't like him. Um, I don't know. I'd like to know what he does so well because he, he's not a great passer, doesn't have good skills, takes him a long time to set himself and throw the football, misses easy throws, and he's not particularly good runner. Other than that, he's a hell of a player. So I, I do like the fact that even in Mike March talking about the Chicago Bears, that he also talked about the 49ers and Trey Lance looking like dog shit, right? I understand that, but come on, man. Lay up off my team. If you're going to talk about my team, tell the full story, right? That's what we like. If you're going to tell a story, tell all of it. Tell all of it. Don't, don't just be mumble mouth and only point out things that go along with your preseason critiques. Tell the full story, Mike. But guess what? Don't even worry about it. That's what Chicago Bears Central is for because we're going to tell the whole story here. Talking about the whole story, let's paint a bigger picture for the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears get a week one opening victory. They have, and historically, they when they get a opening victory in week one, it bodes well for the team. Dating all the way back to 2002, in which they got an opening week, a week one win. They end up going four and twelve in that season. Two thousand and six, they end up going uh, thirteen and three. Two thousand eight, they went nine and seven. Two thousand and ten, eleven and five. Two thousand eleven, eight and eight. Two thousand and twelve, ten and six. Two thousand thirteen, eight and eight. And two thousand and twenty, eight and eight as well. And out of those uh, times that, that we just named, four of those times, the, the three of those times, I'm sorry, the Bears made the playoffs. So you know, it's too early. To say, what does that stat really mean? It means nothing. Let me be clear. It means a lot of nothing because every season is its own story. But 
it is gives us something to hope for and then look for with the Chicago Bears line. They did get, they started off one and oh. We got a big test coming up in the Green Bay Packers, in which we are giving up nine and a half points to the underdogs in that. But it kind of is what it is there. We already knew what the season was going to be for the Chicago Bears. We know what it was going to be. At the end of the day, every week is its own story. I'm not looking too much into, into that. It was just an interesting thing to give. But at the end of the day, what's going to tell the story? What's going to paint this full picture for the Chicago Bears is how they play over the course of the season. How do they improve? What, what, um, what impact do they have? What do they learn from the coaching staff? Things like that. Now, talking about what do you learn and the impact that you have, though, let's talk about Tevin Jenkins. After week one, Tevin Jenkins is now the eighth highest um, uh, rank for guards in the NFL with pro, from pro football focus. He's actually the highest rank, ranked offensive lineman for the Chicago Bears overall. He has uh, he, uh, the, 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 he uh, has the 14th highest graded offensive tackle as well. Well, Larry Borm is the 14th highest graded offensive tackle as well after one week. Now, again, these are week one numbers. There's not a lot to go off of. Jenkins has a 70-plus grade in pass and run blocking. Um, but what, what does that mean in the long run? Why am I bringing this up here? Is because guess what? As much as that offensive line is, and it, it's still a big question mark, and they, they played like shit in the first half, there's still a lot to be taken away from there to look at towards the future and what this offensive line can eventually be. There's so many positives that you can pull away from this. Offensive line is so young as well. Even if you're looking at the two people we just mentioned in Borm and Tevin Jenkins, uh, that's not even to mention Braxton Jones. Like This team has a lot to learn. It has a lot of development to do, but at least they're starting off in a good place, right? They have some things to build off of after that second half to continue to develop to learn and Tevin Jenkins a player that I've kind of done a 180 on to to be clear like I didn't see it for him like I I I think that he I thought that he looked pretty bad as the preseason went on he got better and better he earned that starting spot he held it down and what's been shown in the experiment if you're looking at some of the takeaways from that game is that the Bears offensive line was much better on on the field when Tevin Jenkins was out there versus Lucas Patrick now until Lucas Patrick is is fully healthy and can't snap the ball don't put him up at guard anymore. Don't even worry about it. Tevin Jenkins got us held down, period. That's all that matters. And that's what I like to see this team continue to build on and why I like seeing this team. Now, we did some of our biggest takeaways uh, yesterday on the show as far as coming away from that game. But one of the things that I do want to continue to drill home, and I'm going to talk about this all the time, is the, is the adjustments made by the coaching staff. The way that this team is buying into what Luke Getze, Matt Eberflus, the new culture, the new system, everything. There's so much positivity around right now. Now, hopefully that maintains. There was a lot of positivity. I always try to be clear and transparent with that when Matt Nagy after his first season as well. But looking at this team, looking at the adjustments that were made, looking at the execution, looking at the discipline as well. One thing that we continue to drill home on the show as well is the discipline of the Chicago Bears. They are doing everything that's needed to, to put in those building blocks. Am I, am I ready to say that the Bears are going to be a playoff team and all this? Am I ready to say that yet? No, I'm going to be clear. I'm not ready to say that quite yet. Now, if we beat the Green Bay Packers, I may be completely bare down around here. And you may hear me say some crazy fan-based shit because I love the Bears. And I want us to beat the Packers. And us beating the Packers is literally going to get a couple of shots from you, uh, from me, um, in this, but it is what it is. Like one of the things that stand out in the Bears win is just the coaching. How much things have been better for for this team. Um, how they're buying into Matt Eberflus. Everything just looking around that the adjustments that were made. The fact that you know they went into the half with some with a lot of questionable play, and they came out and they executed much better in that second half, and they did what needed to be done. 
That, that's it. It's period. Now, a lot of the conversation as well before we go around the, 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 the you know, the, the reign of the game is now, you know, you've heard people start saying, does that prove that Chicago does need a dome? You know how I feel about it. I mean, at the end of the day, Arlington Heights is going to be where Arlington Heights is. They've actually already said that it's probably not even going to be a retractable dome. It's just going to be a dome. Uh, one game is not going to change that. Me being here on this podcast isn't going to change that. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm 35 years old for those that don't know. Um, and there's always been something special about outdoor games in the game of football. Always. When I played football, there was something special about it. Um, it's just it's just something it's it's something amazing about it. There's something um, that that it's just old school and inherently football when you have these type of games where it's snow, where it's rain, where it's the elements that you just can't control and what team deals with those elements better. Yes, I would love for the new stadium in Arlington Heights to be to not have a dome. I would love that. Let me be clear here. But as everything moves forward and to get more control, to continue to make this to, to be able to control the stadium outside of just football events, which is a big thing as well that they're going to get from this. I understand why they're putting a dome on the new stadium, but to me, there's just something special about it, man. And it's just something like, like I said, it's always going to be something that feels like, are we missing out on something? Are we missing out on something by not having that? I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's weird. I understand it, but I kind of always just look at it like, man, listen, this is, this is football. Like this is football to me. It's just, this is how I look at it. This is football to me. And I love the outdoor uh, era of the game and everything like that. But let's get into some players that stood out. We already talked about Tevin Jenkins, but I I have to, I talk very good about like uh, biggest takeaways. But I haven't talked about some players that stood out in the game Sunday against the 49ers. And one of the people that I first, the person that I gave my player of the game to, and that's Dominique Robinson. You know, a fifth round rookie. Let's be clear here. Like I don't know, man. I I I I don't I don't I don't know what to say about it. Like he had one and a half sacks in the game. Um, he made the most of every opportunity that he was given. It's just two QB hits. Like that is Chicago Bears football. And I have to give it to Dominique Robinson because he's somebody who really wasn't on my list, right? To make a big impact in this game. When you look at the position that he played, you would think Al and Muhammad, Travis Gibson, of course, Robert Quinn, all above him. But Dominique Robinson, as a defensive end, coming in and having the impact that he did, we're gonna hit a lot of quarterbacks this season. Then as well as Eddie Jackson, I think. C-Dub did a good job of mentioning Eddie Jackson. I've kind of overlooked it, and I wanted to take some time out to give this. Eddie Jackson, we knew and hoped, was going to have a bounce back year, and we're seeing that. His first interception in however many years that it's been, and he had three tackles, a pass breakup. Like, he played very great for us, and it was just fun to see Eddie Jackson out there being Eddie Jackson again. Jalen Johnson, who had the injury scare, but Jalen Johnson as well, playing well for the Chicago Bears doing the things that he need, that needed to be done. And then lastly, just coach Matt Eberflus, man. Like I said it already. The co- I'm so impressed with this coaching staff. I'm really, really impressed with what this coaching staff and the job they did in week one facing that type of adversity. There's not a lot of teams, right? Yes, the lead was only 7-0 at halftime. But there are not a lot of teams that can play that bad of a first half offensively that can then turn it around and completely nullify Hafanga, who was just breaking up our passing game. Like, killing us that's a job of Matt Eberflus and the overall coaching staff and they have to get as much to do as anybody else on this on this Bears roster and everything else in this organization but again let me know some of your biggest takeaways let me know how you guys feel about everything how do you think about Tevin Jenkins uh, Robinson like everybody's everybody's showing up right now and we have a big test coming up against Green Bay and we got to beat those cheeseheads man we got to beat those cheeseheads that's that's my opinion but 
that's it for me for today. Thank you for being the best part of Chicago Bears Central. Make sure you're following the show at Shy Bears Central. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, Chicago Bears Central, gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text and our voicemail, the number to do so, 773-242-9336. Our own voicemail just for Chicago Bears Central. Make sure you sound off. We'll play them on a Friday mailback episodes, but that is it for me for today. Like I liked in every episode on Bear Down. Love you guys. Peace, y'all. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Break, 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 media. media.